0: Get ready. I mean, get ready, 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 ready. It's time to motivate, inspire, transform, head towards your future. Welcome back, mentees, to the Intentional Leadership Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest that's going to enlighten us on mental health and awareness within our community, especially, um, and I'll say post-COVID. Today, we have, who are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. My name is Dr. Ashley Elgin and I'm the CEO at Lena Pope and the superintendent for our charter school, Chapel Hill Academy.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So we share something in common because we are superintendents to make sure that students are learning and achieving. So talk to me specifically about your role as a leader of the organization and uh, how it impacts the community.
1: So my role at Lena Pope is to ensure that we are meeting the community need. Lena Pope is an organization that has been part of Fort Worth for 93 years. And so it was created during a time that the conditions in the uh, community were very similar to what we're experiencing right now. Um, you know, it was post-war. They were also dealing with, um, you know, children having illnesses and, you um, know, children being left alone without a parent to care for them. And Lena Pope created an orphanage. And out of that grew the need for so many different services. There were people that were just left without um, any stability, no place to live, no one to raise them, no education. And so Lena Pope has continued to serve in that capacity. Whenever there is a crisis, like the one that we're dealing with now, Alina Pope has tried to step forward and serve as the backbone of the community.
0: Wonderful. Um, We we think about homelessness and some of the services that are provided, and we know that the LGBT community is impacted quite a bit due to the... um, situations at home and they're not received as well from parents or relatives and so forth and a lot of them are homeless. what type of services or um, that you all provide as a part of that
1: well Lena Pope has has transitioned over the near hundred years that we have been in service and we no longer provide uh, residential care. Um, You know, coincidentally, I was the CEO at Promise House here in Dallas prior to going to Fort Worth. And, of course, that's such a critical issue, uh, particularly in our community where, um, you know, we have a a subset of people who tend to be more conservative, and uh, it leads to quite a bit of family discord. Um, Our programs at Lena Pope are geared towards serving anyone and walking them through the journey of their life despite any kind of family discord or any kind of developmental questioning or any kind of um, relational barriers that they might have in their lives um, you know, despite any subject that comes up because it's so multifaceted, Absolutely. right? It, Absolutely. It's not just one area or mm-hmm. one thing or my mom or my dad or my religion or my development mm-hmm. or my partner. It It is so deep within who you are as a person and what your choices are in the community and how you show up. We want to be part of that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your experience when you think of childhood trauma, and how it's impacted, you know, um, the school system. And um, (laughs) along with the childhood trauma, uh, being in COVID times, how do you all support or how would you recommend others to assist in uh, supporting individuals that are going through that?
1: Well, childhood trauma, I, I think that people are scared by those words, everyone in the course of their development will run into a crisis at some point point. Mm-hmm. and it becomes how the people circle around circle around you to help you and how you experience that so i believe that as a community it is our responsibility to support Everyone who is experiencing either a day-to-day struggle, maybe their job is stressful, maybe their academic program is is, is troubling to them, maybe it's their family of origin that is creating the greatest stress, I, I think the best way to intervene is to be aware that everyone is struggling.
0: I think you're spot on with that because, of course, personally, um, I've dealt with anxiety um some forms of depression as well and i needed the tools basically and it does it really doesn't disappear but i've been given the tools through therapy on how to handle those things you know and to establish those boundaries that are necessary for me to be mentally healthy
1: right and i think that that is often overlooked and not talked about because Unfortunately, mental health concerns are still taboo in our community, mm-hmm. and it is just unbelievable to me. And in fact, I've written a couple of op-eds about um, the way that our community reacts to people who are struggling. Um, fortunately, we've had some celebrities and some sports um people who, who have struggled and have said so. And it is starting to reduce the stigma. But at the same time, we're, we're confronted with a unique set of circumstances in which suicide is becoming more and more and more a prevalent option. And it is more prevalent in the news. So not only do people see it on the news with their loved ones, people that they know, their friends, it is becoming more of a viable option option for people and it is starting to become something that is normalized with, um, Also, the um, externalization, Mm -hmm. and that would be homicide, you know, hurting others or hurting yourself. And the more the kids see that in the media and don't have a context for it and don't have a real place to safely talk about, how does that impact, how does that come up? And I think a lot of times in the news, they make it such that, oh, well, you know, she ran into, you know, a difficult time that she couldn't handle. And so... It resulted in her suicide. It's never that easy. It is never that Not cut at all. and dry. It is always a complex set of circumstances, um, all the way down to temperament and supports and ability to communicate and the environment that they're in and their stressors and their predisposition to mm-hmm. mental health issues and their—you could go on and on and on. It is so complex. And it is not something that just happened and that was the answer.
0: What would be um, some, I would say, uh, some clues for individuals, educators, parents, um, grandparents, whoever is around not only children, but adults, because we know that um, specifically now it's more, it really is prevalent in the African-American uh, community where it hasn't been in the past. So what would you say would be some cues that we could look at or see that would identify that there's a problem there and we need to do something about it or, or try to get some help for that person?
1: You know, I, I think that a lot of times families would really like to believe that some of these struggles that their kids are going through are just normative. Oh, you know, adolescents, they get that way and its they'll grow out of it. It's just a phase. That's a very troubling approach to handling a loved one's um, changes in behavior so you might start seeing that they're isolating or that they're reacting to stressors in a more aggressive way or that um, they're hanging with a different group of kids or that um, they're hiding their phone and what's going on in their personal social media things Um, maybe they're sleeping more maybe they're eating more or eating less You know, the majority of families that um, have experienced the loss of a loved one through suicide have indicated that it was an absolute surprise to them. And I think that that happens for a number of reasons. I think that when people are in pain, it's hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're trying to hide it, intentionally trying to hide it in in a way to cope, in a way to minimize it, in a way to um, persevere. And so as loved ones, it's our responsibility to say, hey, I'm noticing something different. I'm not sure what it's about. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. That's the only way to approach it. Right. And when they say, I'm fine, just leave me alone, which is often the case, mm-hmm. to follow up. And to say, you know, we talked about that yesterday, yet I still see you're so quiet and you're so distant from the family. What's going on? You have to keep showing up, even if they're saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's all okay. Because I think sometimes to talk about it and to recognize it and to own it is absolutely overwhelming to the person who is dealing with it. But to know that... You're there. You checked on them last night. You checked on them this morning. When they have that moment that they're ready to talk, they know you're there. Right. And not only that, I think that when you're dealing with kids, we know that they're more likely to talk to someone in their peer group. And so often as um, parents and as um, adults in children's lives, we discount the importance of a friend group. And sometimes it's easy for a parent to say, well, you know, that's their friend, so I don't have to have a relationship with all of their friends. The more relationship you have with your child's significant group, the better off you will be because there's going to be active communication. And if your child reveals, I mean, you know, I just don't think I can deal with this anymore, I don't want to live anymore, I, don't, I, do, I just want to go to sleep. Those kinds of things that are told to a friend may never be transmitted to the adults because they don't know what to do with the information and they, they don't think it's that big of a deal. But those types of words are true indicators that something big may be going on in their mind.
0: I think you're, 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 you're spot on with that. I think about... Um a couple of instances when I was a, a campus administrator where our students were the ones that were the advocate right. for their classmate. Right. They saw a change. They were hearing things that they were uncomfortable with. And they came to the counselors that was on site at that time and shared their concerns. Right. So I think you're your very right. And parents do need to be aware of um, I'm, I'm old school, and I think about my, my mom was very aware of who, who who, my friends were and who their parents were. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, um, so we do need to be more involved and aware, and I think definitely having those conversations with those friends are extremely important. We have a new um, avenue of communicating that's more prevalent um, than ever before, social media. Absolutely. Um, that even myself, I had to basically fast and get away from because it can be toxic to you emotionally. Um, Can you speak to that as it relates to um, signs or indications or maybe even some suggestions for parents and teachers and administrators around social media and the, the, the plight that we have right now and how it impacts the way students think about themselves.
1: Absolutely. I think that you're right, that it can be incredibly toxic. And it, that is one of the things that I think the pandemic has uh, exacerbated. People were feeling isolated. So the only way that they could reach out to someone was through social media or texting or all those other platforms. And now it's sort of become a way of life. Bullying happens. yes almost 90% of the time through the social media. And so no longer do you see those kids passing in the hall and bullying one another in that way. It happened last night. Mm -hmm. They told them, Hey, you know, I'm going to get you at school. And now they're terrified, Mm -hmm. but no one saw that happen. Uh, As far as social media is concerned, I think having campaigns within the school system that helps kids understand when they need to include an adult I'm 100% with you. Many of our cases that have been uncovered in in the perfect amount of time, in the nick of time, were through a peer who came to an adult and said, I got this text. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, maybe she's kidding, but maybe she's not. Mm -hmm. And educating kids about what to do, when they get those types of messages, not just the message of concern for your friend, but the message that you're a part of a group chat and somebody is saying hurtful things to another,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they have to tell an adult. Otherwise, a lot of times, parents are not monitoring those things or right. they have apps that, that no one knows about and the parent thinks, well, I'm, I'm doing a good job monitoring, I take it away at night. Those are all good um, tools to use, but still having that active communication, nothing replaces that.
0: Absolutely, and students are so savvy with, you know, parents feel as though they they have a control over the social media, but they are so savvy with technology. Um, they can get through block platforms or what have you, and still have that accessibility. A lot of the bullying does occur on social media, and a lot of the harsh, critical uh, words, you know, and I think about adults, you know, we look at this, not only social media, then you have these platforms on television now, or the reality shows that perpetuate a lot of of this, you know, on Twitter, and, and they're saying whatever they, they want to say and how they want to say it. And they're adults, mm-hmm. you know, but it impacts not only the adult that they're referring to, but it also impacts those individuals that are following them. That's right. You know, we we typically uh, model those individuals that we see, especially if we are a fan uh, uh, of them or what have you. I really want to to reiterate one thing that you say, and I think is really important: is at the campus level that we definitely need to make the environment a place or the culture, a place where they feel comfortable communicating, and that we talk to them about, hey, this is a way for you to inform us. Even if it's a a a box and you can just write it, you know, and it's anonymous, and you can put, you know, what's going on or what have you. But making it available to those students where they feel comfortable in sharing those concerns or those feelings that they may may have. What are your thoughts around uh, actual like I'm saying focus groups, and that may not be the correct name for, but actually having those, you know, groups within the school setting where they are able to talk, the young ladies to come together, maybe. have those kind of conversations.
1: At Treble Hill, we've created a multifaceted approach because one size does not fit all. You really have to be agile and you have to create the avenue that is going to be comfortable one way or another to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've created a system in which we have someone who deals with discipline, someone who deals with positive reinforcement, and then three individuals, behavior interventionists, that are available throughout the campus. Mm -hmm. And they not only monitor what's going on, but they make relationships with the kids so that – that's the person that they are really comfortable with. They see them all the time. They know that they're going to protect them. But beyond that, we also have a group um, called I Am Her, and that's a a girl support group. It's a mentoring group in which they learn a lot about, you know, how to be empowered, how to communicate with one another. Um, And then we have student ambassadors, and student ambassadors are those that – are within the various age groups, and um, they repre- represent the school in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are kids that are somehow influential, not necessarily those A-plus students that are perfect, perfect, perfect in every way. Right. It is those kids who other kids look up to, who are leaders in their own way, and those student ambassadors, we give them particular training about how to represent other students, how to communicate to adults, how to be that liaison between your peer group and the the school leaders. And then, of course, we have a a social worker and someone who um, works underneath her who can, you know, teach social and emotional education on a routine basis and then the social worker is available to those kids who end up feeling as though they have a a crisis situation and they need someone on a higher level to to talk to. Um, So we we really try to create a multifaceted system so that the kids can come forward with anything that they really need to talk about. they can also communicate the social worker has on her door. Um, if she's not in there or if she's with a student, she has a little box that says, I can't talk right now. Put a note in my inbox and I'll come and find you. Mm-hmm. And she does. She goes to find them no matter what the note says. It may say, I just want to say hi. She goes to find them. They stop by for a reason.
0: I think it's a, a really important. First of all, that you say that it is not a one size fit all, and it it, it will look different um, at various levels at, at different organizations. Um, I think it has to be a priority. It needs to be a priority from top down, um, and it needs to be talked about and communicated um, to all of the individuals. And you know, there's a common language. You know, and it becomes a part of that culture and the climate where students or even staff members feel comfortable with sharing how they feel. Um, and I think about it, the, the tier level approach, whereas we're identifying, you know, we, we look at um, the, the academic aspects of it, but really the, the social and emotional aspects of those that need, you know, immediate attention, you know, a a counselor outside, or you may have a behavior person that may come in to just handle that particular situation that may be your uh, uh, level one, but level three is intensive, you know, counseling and support and so forth. I think there has to be um, a plan, a focus in place to assure you're providing that support within those, those buildings. As a wrap up, we will always ask three questions. Okay. And the first question to you, as a leader uh, and surrounding mental health and awareness, uh, what motivates you?
1: Well, you know, I I have been in the mental health and nonprofit arena for nearly 35 years now. And uh, it's the reason I get up every day. I am 100% passionate about it. I don't think I'm ever going to retire, so that's another issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but really the things that are important to me over the course of my career, I think I remember most those children that had given up on themselves. Everyone else had given up on them. They had been exposed to something so horrific that most people believed that they couldn't recover. Or maybe they wouldn't have a normal life after that to watch how resilient those children are i keep that in my heart every single day wow i know that children are resilient i know that they can experience the worst of the worst and then become these amazing people that change the world i felt it 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 really is meaningful to me wow i don't know that everyone (laughs) has that level of faith because they haven't seen it happen. I've been so blessed to see it unfold before my eyes in so many circumstances over and over and over again. It's proven to me that no matter what has happened, they're going to be okay. They're going to do it.
0: How do you inspire others?
1: Well, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, I do do. As a leader, I believe that leadership is really not about having all the answers or being the person that is the strong one who parts the bushes and forges through. I believe that a leader is someone that has perspective, so you're able to see the full picture and you listen. You hear every single teeny tiny little voice that is speaking Mm. and allow that space to develop for everyone to have an equal opportunity to come together and be the collective voice. That collective voice is the thing that leads. It's not any person. It's not me. It's about creating that collective voice that everyone comes together and has that unified idea. It may not all be the same idea, but it's your perspective and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. It creates the full picture and it allows something beautiful to happen. And so by, by being that conduit, I feel like I can inspire people to be heard.
0: I think you almost answered within that particular question what I'm going to ask about promoting transformation.
1: Yeah, transformation is, I I think that it is an overused word sometimes because transformation is part of life. It is really being alive. It is being present in the moment and agile. It's paying attention to all the things around you and making sure that it's all factored in to what happens next. And just because you've taken that next step don't think you're done. <laughs> you haven't transformed anything. You have moved it forward, mm-hmm. and it will continue to evolve and transform and transform and transform. And then, you know, you, it, it becomes someone else's opportunity to help that to transform and transform. It's part of living.
0: Absolutely. I, I feel like I've been in a therapy session. Her oh. voice is just so calm and and, and relaxing. And and just truly uh, tidbits of sound advice, especially around transformation. It's, it's, a, it's an evolution, mm-hmm. and we're constantly evolving based upon life's experiences. So the, I, I see that, and I hear you loud loud and clear. In circumstances, you know, positive or neg- negative influences that, that transformation to make you the, the person that you're becoming. Yeah. Are there any final words you'd like to share or words of wisdom you would have for our audience?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I really think that my main message to people is never to feel as though you're too small to change the world. Ooh,
0: I love that. Did you hear that? tees? That was fantastic. As always, it's a pleasure to have individuals like you to talk about some of the difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations, but really give us some of the tools that we need to be successful, not only uh, in the classroom, but in in life. Mm -hmm. uh, Because ultimately, um, students that we impact as adults, um, we have the little boy or the little girl in ourselves, too, as well, that also... More than likely has some type of trauma, Mm -hmm. and we tend to bring all of those things as a part—not ten—we do bring all of those things uh, as we evolve over time. Um, And what I always say at the end of the broadcast is that the genesis of change it begins from within, and we are responsible for making that change within ourselves.